Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the debut grand opening of Mad Villain Bistro Bed and Breakfast Bar Grill Cafe Lounge on the Water, where we offer you the finest of the finest things. 24 hours a day, 7 days Hello everybody, welcome back to the Terry Talks Podcast. I'm your host Ethan Terry, joined by Ryan Terry and Clayton Terry. Uh, this is a warning, we are going to spoil the movies Mission Impossible 1, 2, 3, Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, and Fallout. Yes, so in preparation for Mission Impossible Fallout, we recently did a rewatch of all the previous Mission Impossible movies. So up to that point, we had only seen Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation. So we decided to, kind of like with the Marvel rewatch, we went back and rewatched all the movies in preparation for this one. And now we're going to kind of discuss one movie at a time. Um, some of them are stronger entries than others, but it's a fun franchise to watch nonetheless. So the first film is 1996 Mission Impossible. This was directed by Brian De Palma. And the plot summary, an American agent under false suspicion of disloyalty must discover and expose the real spy without the help of his organization. So overall, how did you guys feel about this movie? If you love Dutch angles, <laughs> let me tell you. There are a lot of Dutch angles in this movie. I thought overall, this movie is pretty fine. Like I thought I had some cool action set pieces and I had those Mission Impossible moments that remain throughout the franchise but overall it was kind of boring and you know forgettable it's kind of an odd movie to start the entire franchise with it is just of how like run-of-the-mill it feels maybe in a modern context but it's interesting because this movie is excluding two this is the most different from the other movies like this is very much like espionage noir whereas the other ones are pretty much action movies with like maybe a stealth sequence or something and they all have those like big set pieces and the stunts that you know you have come to know and love from this franchise but this is definitely the tamest in that regard um so the big set piece of this movie would obviously be when they break into langley and they go into the cia headquarters in order to get that list of cia operatives what do you guys think about that whole set piece I thought the sound design, I thought everything kind of worked. Tom Cruise's performance, just everyone's performance. I forget, I don't know, the actor that... Oh, uh, John Reno. Is he the, like, guy? Someone, uh, holds him up and becomes bad at uh, the end. Yeah, yeah. I, thought, I thought that was great. I think that's what probably boosted this franchise, what started it. And it's, it's pretty memorable in a forgettable way. I mean, whenever you watch, like, movie montages, they always have that scene of him, like, descending down and, like, getting caught last minute. And I think it's because the set design is so memorable. Like, it's that all-white... 2001. Yeah, exactly. 2001. Um, kind of aesthetic that really, like, sticks with you. And honestly, that's the only part of the movie that sticks with you, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Well, also the final set pieces does not look good no that, so that does sticks not with hold up with them mm-hmm. on the trains like it's fun it's like but doesn't look good the helicopter the train them fighting on the side of it even I, for mission impossible it's a little too ridiculous yeah yeah, yeah which is saying something but they're also the beginning is really good yes the beginning mm-hmm. is good it's cool because we none of us watch the show obviously but um they very much go against expectations with the show so 
apparently the show's about like this team and there's like no one specific protagonist if there is it would be john boyd's character but then this decides to choose a specific protagonist and then kill off the whole team and then as you find out later make john boyd the like main character bad so i think if you had that context you might really appreciate where this movie goes or you might hate it but um to us it did kind of seem run-of-the-mill yeah yeah that's really interesting the fact that they take like one of the most important characters in the show and then the new movie they kind of make the audience like a new character and then make that wolf character bad i don't yeah. know it's a weird it's interesting for as someone who hasn't seen the show i don't really it doesn't really bother me but i wonder if that would uh bother longtime fans of the show when they first saw the new movie yeah i don't know um, I think we're going to kind of talk about the directing of all these movies as well, and um, maybe I just don't like Brian De Palma's style, but I wasn't crazy about the Dutch angles yeah, and no. the close-ups and whatnot, so definitely one of the weaker entries in terms of directing for me. Definitely. Yeah, I don't know. It's funny, because this is the movie that set everything off, but I also feel like I don't have much to say about it. <laughs> yeah. It's fun to watch, it's entertaining, but it's not the most memorable movie you'll ever see in your life. Ving Rhames is in it, so that's cool. Yeah, he's that in all cool. six, like Tom Cruise. Yeah. Only one. So, uh, if we're all set, I think we're ready to move into Mission Impossible 2. This came out in 2000, directed by John Woo. Plot summary, Ethan Hunt is sent to Sydney to find and destroy genetically modified disease called Chimera? Chimera. Chimera. So, this movie is <laughs> not good. No, not at all. It is boring. It is ridiculous. The directing is horrible, I would say. And it makes no sense. If you watch this with a few friends, slightly intoxicated, you will have the time of your life. It is definitely, um, like, fun bad. Yeah. Like, it is yeah. stupid. Parts that are really boring, but the parts that aren't boring are pretty fun to watch. Um, I think from the beginning, we didn't know. We knew there was one of the... One of these early movies was bad, but we couldn't remember if it was two or three. And I think right from the beginning, when it shows that Albert Einstein-looking character, oh, yeah. like being talked to in a voice by a voice in his head or something, and it's shot with like a bunch of fades, we could tell that this was gonna be the terrible entry, the bad one. Yeah, and they don't really give um, the female character Sandy Newton anything to do. Sandy uh, Newton, how do you say her name? Maeve from Us World. Yeah, Sandy Newton, I think. Yeah, and going to the directing with John Woo. It's like the cinematographer has ADHD. I think I said that while we were watching the film. Yeah. <laughs> there is this one scene where it's on, is it Maeve or Ethan Hunt? Or... <laughs> we just, no, we just, just call her Maeve. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's on Maeve, and she's like looking around, and oh, the camera yeah. just kind of like moves, right? Is yeah, that it's, like, it like, it's like he jerks up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like something hits him. I don't know. This film, this film was ridiculous, and even the plot's ridiculous of like him having to hunt down this disease that was invented in a lab. Yeah, like that's not. That's not what Ethan Hunt does. Yeah, there is the incredible line where he gets the mission, where Anthony Hopkins, also a Westworld um, cast member, <laughs> says, "Well, this isn't mission difficult, is it? It's Mission Impossible. <laughs> this should be a walk in the park for you." And that that just kind of illustrates how these movies have. Until the later movies don't have the strongest script, but if you have the action set pieces and you have the directing and you have the charisma of the main characters yeah. to deliver this, these terrible lines, then it still kind of works. Did this movie have a memorable action set piece? Um, I think the motorcycle chase scene is memorable uh, yeah. because it's incredibly stupid. Yeah. The villain is, 
ridiculous. Yeah. I forgot who the villain was. I don't remember the name. No, I don't even remember what he looks like. He just lives in a house and like has bodyguards. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. That's, that's, his, that's his agenda. And every time Tom Cruise or Ethan Hunt takes down a bad guy, he's like surrounded by doves and he does like a front flip and yeah. <laughs> drop kick to take the guy out. And then in the after the motorcycle set piece, when they both jump off their mo- motorcycles and kind of like body slam into one another. I mean, the whole knife thing was cool. How the knife was like I was, right yeah. next to his eye. I was just gonna mm-hmm. say that if that counts as like a set piece, I mean, that was a stunt. That's the only memorable thing from this movie, in my opinion, other than how bad it is. Yeah. Is the shot where the knife is like right up against Ethan Hunt's eye, and Tom Cruise really did that in real life. Mm-hmm. So, it, this movie doesn't like it. Doesn't feel like we're watching the same Ethan Hunt from the first film, and the same Ethan Hunt that we will see in three onward. Feels like a completely different character. And a completely diff- different style, I guess, than um, the Mission Impossible than the Mission Impossible films to come. Yeah, it feels and non-canonical. No. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. The sh- scene where um, Maeve <laughs> Maeve is breaking in to steal the one thing I don't remember, but Tom Cruise is like laying on top of her in the bathtub, yeah. and then he chases her in the car, and they have sex later. I don't know. The oh, whole thing is just that's a worst scene in the very... whole series. It is horrible. It makes no sense. Very misogynistic film. Oh, Incredibly, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. She's given nothing to do, really, yeah. <laughs> at all. You can go see Notorious by Alfred Hitchcock, I've heard. And it's same, just the same Same movie. plot. Yeah, so I think overall we would recommend watching with friends if you're bored. Uh, yeah, or skip. Yeah, or you can skip if you're yeah. genuinely into the Mission Impossible movies. There's really nothing in this movie that is relevant to any of the later entries. No, no. Um, even even in later in the films, they're like Ethan's only only been serious about two girls, and they aren't referencing her. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. are they are they referencing the one from the first movie? Or are they refer- no, referencing no, Rebecca right. Ferguson's character? Yeah, I thought and it was Julia Nielsen Fisher. Yeah, her name's not Nielsen Fisher. Yes, it is. I'll look it up, but you're wrong. <laughs> I'm wrong. As as we look up why Ryan's wrong, um, we're gonna move into Mission Impossible three. This was 2006, so six years after Mission Impossible 2, the biggest gap for the franchise. Um, IMDb plot summary, IMF agent Ethan Hunt comes into conflict with a dangerous and sadistic arms dealer who threatens his life and his fiance in response. This was J.J. Abrams' first directing outing, and it shows, but overall, I think this movie is really, really fun. Feature length, because he's done TV. Oh yeah, he had done TV. TV but also, it's Ilsa Fast. I, I, knew, I couldn't remember it, but I knew it was Fisher. Um, this movie is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I think it sets up um, what the later Mission Impossible movies would be like. Yes. And the intro of this movie is great. It's really good. Really tense. Yeah, that first, I don't know, two-minute sequence where it has Philip Timor Hoffman interrogating who you would come to know as Ethan Hunt's wife. Um, and you, it is believed that he shoots her right then and there, and then it jumps back in time to Ethan Hunt's domestic life and him with his wife and whatnot. And I don't know, I think right from the beginning, Ryan, you made a joke that <laughs> compared to Mission Impossible 2, this was like the dark night of movies. Yeah. Because Mission Impossible 2 was it's so, so rough. Bad. I probably like this movie the least out of all of us. <laughs> I think the only memorable part of this film is the whole uh, museum set piece. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where they no, had that was a Vatican. Yeah, it wasn't oh. the that was the bad thing. <laughs> oh, the shot where um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's washing his yeah. shirt and then looks up and he's Tom Cruise as Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, that was great. Oh, yeah. 
that's like the only part of the film that stands out to me. And I, I don't even think the directing is that good. I think it does a lot of zooms. It does a lot of things. Not as bad as Mission Impossible 2, but like these corny, over-the-top things that... You could tell JJ. this was J.J. Abrams' first time directing a feature-length film. I would definitely say so. He's a master of combining CGI and practical effects, and I think that's why he was perfect for not only this franchise, but this specific entry. Because this is when it starts to move into like pretty ridiculous stunts mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, you don't like the sequence at the beginning because it's a little video gamey, but I do really like the sequence where they go and save Carrie uh, Russell. Yes, Carrie Russell's character. Um, it's much more action than anything we've seen previously in this franchise. Very much not stealth espionage mission. But and then when they escape in the helicopter, I thought that all really worked for me. The way it ends mm-hmm. is super unique to any other yeah. movie with Carrie Russell's eyes getting all plugged up. Oh. That was kind of hard to watch. I really I liked that section quite a bit as yeah. well. I really like that set piece. I really like the um, Vatican one. We should talk about the ending though. Ending's not great. Yeah. The... We should talk about Julie as well. Oh, oh yeah. This, we should talk about her first. This is the first time Julie's introduced who remains a character like she's in ghost protocol for a little bit and does she oh, have nation they mention her in her nation yes yes but uh and then she's a relatively big part in fallout but uh yeah they introduce her i don't really buy it <laughs> like the tom cruise like uh family man that's like <laughs> it's that that whole sequence is like corny and i don't think it's believable but overall Julie's not a horrible character, but I, especially what they do to her in the third act, I just I, I don't like it or buy it. Mm-hmm. But then um, she gets captured, and you see the sequence from the beginning again, yeah. and you believe she's shot, and then one of the IMF higher-ups that isn't Lawrence Fishburne, I don't remember his name, walks in and rips off the mask, and it's one of Philip Seymour Hoffman's henchmen. Um, one of, yeah, bodyguards or something. Mm-hmm. And it's revealed that she isn't killed. They just wanted to make sure that they had their real rabbit's foot or something. And then Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt, ends up chasing after where he believes Philip Seymour Hoffman is with a scene with Benji that is very much sets up some of the other scenes oh, with yeah, Benji. Yeah. Where he's like Benji, Benji's great. I Benji's great. Yeah, he's an incredible best yes. part. Simon Pegg execution no. when it comes to no, comedy no. is just fantastic. But, um, but yeah, then Ethan Hunt just takes on Philip Seymour Hoffman's character in like a fist fight, and yeah. obviously Ethan Hunt wins. Yeah, in but a pretty anticlimactic way. Yeah, and Philip's the shame is that uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is such a good villain. Yeah, in this yeah movie. absolutely. Like he's probably one of the strongest villains in the franchise. Yeah, I think you could make a real case that he's the best one. I would probably prefer Solomon Lane after yeah. seeing him in two movies now. Yeah, I would definitely. Yeah, do. yeah, but I think Philip Seymour Hoffman. If, if his arc didn't end so stupidly, he would probably edge out. Yeah, I think the third act of this film is definitely the weakest point. And I think that's, I think it is the reason why I dislike this film so much and why it seems, parts of it seem so forgettable, like the first film. Mm-hmm. But you never, you never even find out what um what the rabbit's foot is. Either, yeah. Which yeah. I guess is J.J. J. J. Abrams' mystery box. Theory. That's such a J.J. Abrams move, and that's yeah. stupid. Yeah, and I, I like that to a certain extent. I like keeping mystery in movies, but there's 
a real point where it just becomes lazy, in my opinion. Yeah. And not telling us what the rabbit's foot is doesn't keep mystery alive. It just yeah. is lazy. I assumed it was some sort of nerf gas. I thought they mentioned that earlier in the film, but, yeah. Potentially. It might. Well, well they were looking for the location of the... The briefcase was the location of the rabbit's foot. Yeah. And the location was like a Chinese lab or something. Yeah, so they steal a rabbit's foot. Oh, yeah, so it is probably mm. some sort of like nerve agent yeah. bomb or whatnot. But if it's another nu- if it's yeah. another nuclear bomb, I'm gonna die, I'll kill myself. <laughs> it's but, so boring. But yeah, and I hate the ending so much where it's like they're in the CIA headquarters. Headquarters. Why would they let the wife in? Why would they let the wife in? I don't know. And then they like walk away all happy, and it just it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. I something that's very weird is that like people will betray Ethan Hunt and then uh immediately accept him back. Yeah, they'll be like, "Oh, sorry, you know, it's just business." Yeah. Ethan Hunt, it's just, just, just business. <laughs> but speaking of that reference, this is why it makes me nervous that JJ Abrams is doing episode mm-hmm. nine because he's really good. He's incredible at starting a story. He's so good in that beginning of Mission Impossible three, where he sets up that Phil Seymour Hoffman is this character that Ethan Hunt has never faced before, that he has this wife that he cares deeply about, and it gets you to care immediately, in my opinion. But then when it comes to closing that out, it's fucking awful. <laughs> and this is his first feature, so I don't entirely fall for that, but that's what makes me nervous. That's why J.J. Abrams is the one you get to do The Force Awakens, but I don't necessarily think he's the one you get well that's well also force awakens is so good because it makes you ask questions exactly. it wants you to ask questions and jj is really good at that but uh i don't know i want i want him to direct it and i want him to have a role in the writing but i don't know if i want him to be the only writer and yeah. with a franchise as big as star wars yeah. i feel like having one person at the helm might be well by uh, after two other movies might be a little uh hard to pull off yeah i agree but yeah mission possible three final thoughts probably good worth a watch not as bad as two <laughs> yeah i mean i think it's fine like i think it's probably on par with the first like a, a little better i think it's better than the first yeah i enjoyed myself more so now we get into the movies that are really good with 2011's mission impossible ghost protocol directed by brad bird in the plot summary the imf is shut down when it's implicated in the bombing of the kremlin causing Ethan Hunt and his new team to go rogue and clear their organization's name. So, we had seen this before, and I love this movie. It's great. Um, Bradford's directing is, up until this point, the best we had seen, I would say, in the franchise. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And they introduce a lot of new characters that end up coming back in 5 and some in 6. With we have Simon Pegg who isn't introduced technically yeah, but has a much bigger, bigger role. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bing Rames is back again as he always is. <laughs> as he always is. Um, which one? Which one is he just barely in? No, it's this oh, one. It's this he, one, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's, it's this, this one. He's at the end. Barely in. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, well he's still. back. <laughs> Comes back. Is this Brad Bird's first live action film? It is. Yeah. He needs to do more. It also yeah. also introduces Jeremy Renner, who's will be in Rogue Nation, but is not in Fallout, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who does a good job overall? Yeah, I think yeah. he's a good, um, he's good playing against Ethan Hunt. Yeah, he's a good counterweight. Yeah, mm-hmm. like um, similar skill set, not as strong maybe, but as much more cautious on what he does, yeah. and maybe 
ask questions. Yeah, which is, I think, important. Ethan Hunt seems like he's always right, but it is, it is important for his team to be yeah. uh, equally skilled and sometimes question him, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, the big set piece of this movie is obviously the sequence in the Burj Khalifa. So, what do you guys think, having rewatched that now? Does it hold up from when you first saw it? Is it better than some of the sequences we're seeing today that are CGI filled? What do you guys think? My palms were caked with sweat, let me tell you. <laughs> it was uh, very tense, despite the fact that I've seen it multiple times now, yeah. and um, extremely enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And so, like, this is the. Uh, if someone argues against practical effects, you can just show them, like, this scene. Show all these movies. Yeah, all these movies. Or all the last newer ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think, Ethan? Yeah, I think it holds up. I think it, it just. It looks cool. It's tense, and Tom Cruise's once again performance. Like he's on the side of the Bruce Cleaver. People don't give him enough credit of like being able to like. Act. Yeah, 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 it's really good. And then like all the like tech they use, like seems it's not over the top, which I feel yeah. like it, it could run the risk of doing. Like it Off seems, yeah, that's over the top. But uh, it's like realistic, and like I could buy it being a real thing, because it might be. But, uh, and it doesn't always work. Like the glove, one of his gloves malfunctions. Oh, yeah. The mm-hmm. face mask thing doesn't work, and they have to go in, assuming they've never met. Mm-hmm. Um, Which has happened twice now. In this yeah, they're doing a fallout. I was thinking that. Yeah. Um, oh, the sequence within the Burj Khalifa, I think, is really, really incredible, too. Where even after Tom Cruise comes into the building, when they have two rooms that are identical and they have to like match yeah. saying with each other That's and they cool. do the mm-hmm. whole taking pictures of the documents. with the contents yeah uh, and then benji carrying the diamonds from one room to the other yeah it's really that's like the prime mission impossible yeah. it is yeah. i think the, that the whole second act is really what stands out of this film because like i think the third act gets kind of weak relatively weak because i don't like the villain compared yeah, to the second the act we should talk about that this is probably one of the worst villains in the franchise yeah yeah, very vanilla. Yeah, very and this bland. is kind of the start of like nuclear war. It's my only goal. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. This uh-huh. is definitely where it's like the biggest stakes. Yeah, it's like world saving. Yeah. yeah. So. Which I don't automatically have a problem with. But no. it's like three or four movies in a row, it's like. Yeah, the Burj Khalifa scene. One thing about it though is that it wasn't as long as it was in my memory. Like for in my memory, Tom Cruise is on that building for like thirty minutes. Yeah, really <laughs> yeah not, it's it's a short sequence. Probably, like, mm. probably 10 minutes. And it's like the hour mark in the film, too. Yeah. It's not like the climax, which, which is, is interesting. It's cool. I, I think I like that. I like yeah. that, too. Even though I know that these movies are almost all practical, the one leap he does, I was like, oh, they definitely like touched that up CGI. It's like, nope, he actually did that uh-huh. that giant leap into the window. It's so cool when the music starts and he's running on the side of the building. Yes. Oh, that is oh, that's fantastic. Just talking about it makes me want to rewatch the sequence. Yeah. All these movies, well... Uh, Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, and Fallout all incredibly rewatchable. Absolutely. I think that's what makes doing a like rewatch slash watch for the first time session of these movies so easy yeah. because they're like the best that popcorn movies can be nowadays. Um, excluding like superhero movies because that's a whole different genre and yeah. characterization. Like Justice League, great film. Yeah, like if you're just going into fun, pure action with a good story and like good filmmaking, like these are about as good as you can get. Especially five and six in my opinion. Yes, and, four, and four too. I think the popcorn will be good in the next two. But yeah, so if that's everything with Mission Impossible 4, Ghost Protocol. How does that move? How's Mission Impossible 4 start? The plane. 
Oh, no, no. That's five. That's five. Is that where he's in prison? Yes. Oh, yeah. He's in prison. No, that, that's that, a really good... That's a really funny... Yeah, it's like yeah. It's a good sequence, too. All these movies... It's interesting. All these movies, they, like, take a little while to show Tom Cruise. Yeah. You have the money shot of, like, the first Tom Cruise yeah. image. They do, it, they do it really well. It's Rogue Nation, in my opinion, which we'll get into, but... Mm-hmm. Every time, it's like... I have to. I have to try and piece out what is going on at the beginning of each film. Like, where are we? Yeah, it always starts in the middle. Of the what day is it? What time, What year is it? So, moving into five now. Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation. This came out in twenty fifteen. Um, this is d- directed by Christopher McQuarrie. IMDb plot summary: Ethan and team take on the most impossible mission yet, eradicating the syndicate, an international rogue organization as highly skilled as they are, committed to, to destroying the IMF. This up until Fallout, this was my favorite movie in the in the franchise. Yeah, definitely. yeah, me too. And um, we just start out talking about that beginning because we were already talking about it, kind of. Um, Tom Cruise hanging off the side of the plane, so cool. Yeah, yeah. And it opens with um, Benji. it's like the shot of the field, and then yeah. Benji pops up. It's so great. Jeremy Renner's talking to him. It's it's like they try and get the big set piece out of the way quick. Yeah. It wastes no time to get right yeah. into the action, which yeah. I like. Mm-hmm. It's cool because. That is probably the biggest stunt <laughs> of the movie, but it's definitely not my favorite set piece, which we'll get into. But mm-hmm. there's just something about watching watching these films, knowing that these yeah. actors really did all this stuff. It's so cool. It's really the selling point of these movies, like the absolutely the Tom Cruise stunts or whatever one or two mm-hmm. stunts he does in each movie. Maybe to you, the selling point to me is Benji. Oh, Simon Pegg is there. I'm gonna watch it. True, true. Mm-hmm. So then after that plane sequence. Runs into Rebecca Ferguson. Yes, so he so the next big sequence is Tom Cruise goes into a record store to get his, what he thinks is his next mission from the IMF but it's actually the syndicate letting them know that they know where he is and they end up capturing him and he is going to be interrogated by Rebecca Ferguson's character, uh, Ilsa Faust on top of as well as the phone doctor and that sequence where she breaks him out is so fun to watch especially a lot of people talk about this but this came out the same time jurassic world came out and a lot of people complain about how bryce dallas howard is always wearing high heels in that movie and this movie like makes a point to have rebecca ferguson's character take off her shoes and then she ends Uh, up using them to like beat the people Mm -hmm. in it i love that so much and like the the twist and turns and like the inside the opera house was like really interesting yes yeah so that's the next um kind of big set piece is Ethan then goes on the run after this, and it is believed that Solomon Lane, who you end up knowing, um, is going to be at this opera, and he's going to try and kill the Chancellor. So he is moving through the opera and slowly realizes that three different people, including Ilsa Faust, were sent to kill the Chancellor. And could you guys speak on that that set piece? Because that is, again, one of my favorite set pieces of the whole franchise. I think the set piece is great. I think Rebecca Ferguson and Tom Cruise do a great job. And Benji. Benji comes back, which is funny and fitting. Mm-hmm. I, this, this is like six months after. It is, yeah. It's like a six-month job. Sorry, you. Yeah, I, just overall, I think it's great. I think it's wildly entertaining. I think the way that they use their environment is yes. very interesting. Because, like, they're they're fighting on the, like... Uh, Opera stage yeah. lights. Yeah, the stage lights and stuff. And, like... Uh, Ilsa Faust sniper is like a yes, that's so it's cool. A it's a flute, flute. yeah, yeah. it's really cool. Oh, that looks awesome. And yeah. um, Benji like controls the uh, 
stage lights and stuff. I love that Tom Cruise doesn't know what to do. He sees that two people are now going to shoot the Chancellor. So he shoots the Chancellor, but yeah. only like skins him on his arm to get him to fall down. Like that's such an Ethan Hunt way of solving yeah, things. Yeah, I, I love it. And this film's a lot of Benji and Ethan Hunt at the beginning. Which is perfect. Is. Yeah, which is fantastic. Oh. The best dynamic of the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is why I go and see the movies. <laughs> so then the plan goes horribly awry, and the Chancellor ends up dying anyway. Um, so then they flee. Rebecca Ferguson's character has to leave because she's undercover. So that, but then, um, she leaves information for Ethan Hunt and Benji to be able to find her. So they find her in Morocco, I believe, right? And then they discuss how they have to get the ledger, and the only way to get it would be to break in this facility, including an underwater sequence where they have to replace the character profile for a gate analysis. Um, of Benji, replace it with Benji so that he can break in and hack into this ledger. What do you guys think of that whole sequence? Because again, one of my favorites of the franchise. This is the second time Ethan Hunt dies. <laughs> He's brought back Wait, to life. Oh, his brain, brain, yeah. Brain, yeah. yeah. His brain is mush. Yeah, he is, he is, <laughs> he is not doing well. So he does all stupid stunts. This, <laughs> this section with the water and then the section immediately after it yes. is amazing. Is yeah. so good and it's very uh fun and like humorous at points, but tense. Yeah, but tense when it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And there's no music or really sound because he's underwater. Mm-hmm. So you see him try and like pull the thing out, and he dodges the like scanner going around the first time. But then it hits him the second time, and you see mm-hmm. both things like fly out of his hand. And at that point, you don't know which one's which, and he doesn't either, presumably. And the tension of Benji being up there, so not only is Ethan Hunt risking his life, but also Benji's life. Oh, the camera it. works great, too, because it really puts you into Ethan Hunt's, like, mentality, like, just stuck in his underwater, like, prison, or mm-hmm. stuck in his underwater, like, yeah. And when he, um, he's running out of oxygen, and you can see him, like, start taking oxygen, yeah. which, or taking water, which would pretty much automatically kill you because yeah. you get water in your And once again, the tech the tech is great because it shows you yes. yeah, the how much oxygen levels. is left and it like doesn't look like corny or anything. It looks believable mm-hmm. and it's helpful to convey to the audience how much time Ethan has got left. Yeah. So incredible sequence and then Ilsa Faust brings him out. Um Benji comes and they defib him, but then uh Ilsa Faust, Rebecca Ferguson's character, grabs the flash drive flash drive with the ledger and runs away and ethan hunt still kind of recuperating from you know being dead has to chase her and i love this scene it's i think it's probably the funniest sequence in all the movies it's definitely got the funniest joke yeah. throughout yeah. the series <laughs> which yeah. is when um they're looking um oh, also bing rames and uh jeremy renner, jeremy renner show up at they, some point they chase after um simon Pegg, benji and Ethan Hunt, and they like bump into each other, and they just kind of look at each other, and <laughs> Benji's like, "Wait, what?" And then they drive away. Yeah, it was great. And it's silent too, because you, you can only see him from you're seeing it from Jeremy Renner and Jim Ray's perspective, and their windows up. Yeah, it does have a ridiculous ending though, when the car flips a couple times more than it needed yeah. to. In the tanks. Like, that's definitely like death worthy. Yeah, like once or twice, I'm like, all right, it's an action movie, <laughs> like. 15 times, like, holy hell. Oh. Ethan Hunt really is. A I mean, god. I don't know, I feel like, even though, like, the stuff he does is godlike, I feel like You feel like he gets man. hurt. Yeah. yeah, I feel like it's more everyman than 
um, John McClane is in like the new Die Hard movies. Per se. Yeah, it's like it's like Indiana Jones. Like you can see him yes. take the hit, mm-hmm. and it like it seems Indiana Jones is more kind of like he's so, more of like a bumbling like. Some of the hits in this film, especially in Fallout, I like tense up in my seat because they feel so real, which is also sound design. I think Fallout is a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And like like in Fallout, there's someone gets hit by a brick of wood, and I like, I I threw my hands up in the air (laughs) in the seat, and the guy next to me looked at me like confused. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like the thing that I always look back on when I see this trope is in Indiana Jones in the first one. When Indiana Jones is like getting ready to fight, and then the guy stands up, and it's like this huge burly guy yeah. that Indiana Jones really has no chance with if he were just to like raw punches. So he has to outsmart him, and Ethan Hunt has to do that so many times throughout this franchise. Yeah, especially against the guy in the opera. That's one of the biggest examples of just having to take him on a yeah. burlier guy. But or in Ghost Protocol, where oh wait, the guy just kills himself. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, in the car. I was gonna say, doesn't he? Up. So stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I feel anything with a villain in Ghost Protocol is dumb. I thought he outsmarted himself after. Right after the car sequence, it moves into a motorcycle chase. This is like, because including the water sequence, this is like a 30-minute action set. Yeah, I know, it's insane. And it all works so well. Mm-hmm. And it feels like, it feels broken up, so it's like, alright, here's this action set piece, and then we're going to go into this action set piece, and then yeah. now we're in this action set piece. We're talking about this, the plot of this one more extensively, because I think there's like there's a lot more to talk about, and it's it's better yeah it's better <laughs> it's all it's yeah. one of all of our favorites yeah it moves more like ghost protocol is one of the better best ones in the franchise but it also takes its time mm-hmm. also, and like i feel like in the other movies the side characters kind of lag like i like benji yeah. and i like uh finn rings but uh rebecca ferguson does great and jeremy renner does great so it really i like really like the dynamic between that group mm-hmm. i hope it's something that stays they yeah. make a really good team yeah, it'll be interesting to see if, um, if they do do another movie, if it'll still be Christopher McQuarrie, if it'll still be his team. Hopefully. But then, so Ilse Faust does end up getting away with the documents. So then they have to, but there's no way to open them. So they have to capture the prime minister of the UK and get him to say something. And this is probably my favorite in the whole franchise. My favorite sequence of the whole franchise that involves like a mask ripping off. Ooh. So you think Jeremy Renner's character has betrayed them, and you get Alec Baldwin and the Prime Minister and Ethan Hunt all in the same room, but Ethan Hunt's in disguise. And Alec Baldwin talks about how Ethan Hunt is basically destiny, and that anything he wants to happen, he will will to happen. And Ethan Hunt's in the room. I don't know. I just I remember seeing it in theaters and that being one of my favorite parts of the movie. And rewatching it, it still holds. It's so good. Is there other good mask, uh... What's the other good mask scenes? Because we haven't talked about the masks at all. We haven't. I really like it in 3. We talked about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. 3. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. How they... It started out, like, stupid as all hell. Like, the first one, they don't really explain how they can talk with it. They just show the mask. And then the second one is just a little piece of tape that goes on the yeah. internet. But then, by the third one, you start to believe it, and it, it has... Tom Cruise forces see it, Philip Seymour Hoffman to read that thing so he can match his voice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, and it, it shows him like, actually making the mask. Uh-huh. It's really cool. Which then, like, the next one, too. I'm really glad they showed that in the third one, and then the next one it becomes like more high-tech. Yeah. yeah. And like it changes in each film, and that's really cool. Simon Pegg's always excited to wear the mask. <laughs> yeah, that's so cute. That's cute. <laughs> and the action set piece that ends the movie, um, they have the ledger, but Tom Cruise's character destroys it. Um, 
and memorizes the whole thing, presumably. So while Benji strapped to a bomb, it forces Solomon Lane to keep Ethan Hunt and his team alive because Ethan Hunt's the only one with the ledger data. Yeah. And I really like that idea. I don't know. Can you guys speak on that at all? Yeah, I think it's cool. I think the whole I think everyone does great because really like everyone's there. And you got mm-hmm. Solomon Lane, you got Benji's there, and then Rebecca Ferguson, they're all like sitting at the table. I thought it was really cool. And then the action that follows it, like the chase scene, is really cool because it's cool because they can't kill Ethan Hunt, but they're trying to kill Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah, yeah it was just great. And the way they like use each other as like kind of shields because they can't shoot yes, Ethan Hunt. Yes, uh-huh. I love that. So that's and really good. Ilsa Faust goes after like Top Goon, kind of. And I really like that this is Ghost the. Uh, woman in Ghost Protocol, I don't remember her name, but I think she was pretty competent and I liked her character. But Rebecca Ferguson can really go toe-to-toe with Ethan Hunt yeah. and then can mm-hmm. take on the same guys that Ethan Hunt would. Right. So that knife fight between the two of them is incredibly well-directed. And I just love her character mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. And it's cool that all the uh, relate, like, because Ethan Hunt likes Ju- uh, his wife Julia, of course. Yeah. Uh, he, uh... All of the relationships he has are strictly platonic. Yeah, they're really they're pretty mm-hmm. platonic. There's like vague flirting, similar to like Winter Soldier, yeah. with uh, between Black Widow and Captain America. But it would be it's so easy to fall into like. The well, I think the ropes. first movies kind of fall into that. Like, yeah, they do. Two yes. does, and yes. the three is just the wife. But one doesn't one really does, but then she betrays yeah. him. Yeah. There's definitely. There's... Oh, I guess there is a vibe in the first film. Obviously. Yeah. Well, those are bad, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah that's true. But yeah, so, and then they obviously win, because it's Ethan Hunt. Um, and I just, overall, I love this movie. I feel like it's, up to this point, it had the best script. I feel like it had the best set pieces. It had some uh, of the villain some I really liked. Best characters, best, like, yeah. group. This and Brad Bird are some of the best directing so far. Yeah, this, um, Christopher McQuarrie's directing is more subtle yeah. than mm-hmm. Brad Bird's is, in my opinion. But I still think it really works. So moving now into this year's release came out um, this weekend, as of the recording of this, uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. This was also directed by Christopher McQuarrie, the first time that a director has helmed two of these movies in a row. Ethan Hunt and his IMF team, along with some familiar allies, race against time after a mission gone wrong. Definitely the vaguest plot summary. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also like, I don't think they do plot summaries if it's just came out like... Oh, true. Yeah, they probably don't do it too. Um... So overall, this film, fantastic. Where the other ones are, I would say, good, sometimes pretty good. This one is, like, incredible. I think it's, like, on the levels of, like, Skyfall. Like, while the rest of the James Bond movies are kind of like, oh, they're good, but they're no Skyfall. They don't transcend the franchise the way this one does. Yeah, Fallout definitely transcends the franchise. Spoiler alert. We Well, we will spoil it, but we did all... Love this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's all of our favorite entries into the franchise. Um, so the movie starts off with them in like an alley, like an underground like alley thing. Well, first it's Ethan Hunt figuring out the syndicate is still oh, yeah, around. Right. The apostles. Uh-huh. But it does start with them in the alley. It was my favorite, like, should you choose to accept it, like, giving him the mission. Yeah, the like, book is cool. Where it's yeah. Yeah. Also, like, the guy's, the guy's voice is, like, somehow robotic, but also a little, like, chilling, and then... Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, you can immediately tell in the beginning of this film that it's a lot darker. This is other. also the first time that one film immediate like, the same plot carries over. Kind yes, of. first time. Uh-huh. So, the same villain, same um, group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It also same does contain, like, a dream sequence with Solomon Lane and his wife, Julie, 
And thank God we rewatched films because I would not know who Chewie was. No, me neither. I wouldn't know who Solomon Lane was. Yeah. That's true. We didn't, after from the trailers, we didn't remember that that guy was like, good intentions. <laughs> that was the villain from five. Did you like what you stopped? Right here. How, how am I supposed to know? Yeah. So, as Ethan was alluding to, they're in an alley, and Tom Cruise is forced to make an impossible decision of letting Luther die, Bing Rains' character, or getting the plutonium that can make bombs. So, Ethan Hunt, of course, tries to do both. He shoots Luther, knowing he's wearing a bulletproof vest, gets him to fall, and then they run away, but they get away with the plutonium. Yeah. So now the rest of the movie is them trying to get the plutonium. This forces the CIA, who isn't necessarily directly linked to the IMF, to want to send Henry Cavill's uh, character along with Ethan Hunt to make sure the mission goes according to plan and that they get the plutonium no matter what. And this leads to a halo jump, uh, high altitude, low open. So I think the whole halo jump is fantastic. Once again, tech, great. Like, mm-hmm. the helmets look cool. Well, in that behind-the-scenes video we watched, that had to be, like, really genuinely able to save his life and also look like a prop. Because it is genuinely um, giving him oxygen, I'm pretty sure, or something, mm-hmm. in case that um, he suffers from epoxia while jumping. Oh, that's cool. Isn't that's that cool. so Because this cool. one was real. He had to train it, for, like, four. He did it things. 94 times. I think, yeah. I, I genuinely think... This is my favorite sequence out of all the films. Like, my favorite shot. It's a long take. I think this is one of the best sequences ever in an action movie. It is up there with... It's so good. I I can't even think of other sequences in action movies that are better. All of Mad Max, maybe. (laughs) But it is... Mad Max is one big action Like, I still think this is better. The long take... Like, first off, it looks beautiful because it's real. Like, like, there's times where I'm like, oh, it's too beautiful. But it's, (laughs) like... Yeah. It's real. It's what Tom Cruise is actually jumping on a plane. And it's like, it's cool, like, what Tom Cruise has to do and uh, the sound oh. design of all of it. Uh, fantastic. How he has to save Henry Cavill. Yeah. He gets struck by lightning. Like, that's nuts. I know. So cool. And, yeah, just the idea that this is all one take and it's not shaky cam or anything because they don't have to hide that. It's a stunt double. It allows for so much more interesting directing that we've never seen before. And oh, I just I love it so much. I love this whole sequence. I love um, the way it ends with Henry Cavill being like, "Oh, you lost your oxygen tank." <laughs> we this film Henry Cavill is great, and then we immediately watch Justice League after, and it's like night and day, <laughs> yeah. which well, is not Henry Cavill's fault, but no, it's just a terrible. Movie. Yeah, just bad. Movie. Also, but, this I think so. At the beginning of the movie, it really showed that this was going to take a darker theme. It was yeah. going to be a lot more serious. But I think this sequence was like uh holy hell this is transcending everything i know about mission impossible like it's just way cooler like by far the coolest sequence and then the scene that follows in the like nightclub area is also really good like in the bathroom yep i loved that sequence it was um like no music Mm -hmm. and the sound design was amazing Choreography, fantastic. Yes. Yeah, they, uh-huh. We should say they go in to um, catch who they believe to be John Mark, and it doesn't go quite as planned. The guy notices that they're trying to catch him, and they have a fist fight. And Henry Cavill is very blunt. He just takes it the way he knows, which is brute force. And then you can see, kind of talking about like the Indiana Jones effect, yeah. you can see that Tom Cruise is taking these punches and that he is old now he can't go toe-to-toe with some of these yeah, younger like guys stumbling and stuff. yeah 
Henry Cavill reloads his fists. Yeah, he, I love that. That's so good in the trailer. And Henry Cavill is so jacked. I know. He is insane. It's ridiculous. They're going to put on a face mask of him, and it doesn't work, of course, because Henry Cavill used the laptop bag to smash John Mark's head. Oh, we haven't mentioned who John Mark is, by the way. Just oh, it's just... He's just like it's like a, it's like a right yeah it's mm-hmm. the pseudonym of an arms dealer so who's gonna meet this person that they're going to broker the white widow yeah white widow who is did you know that the white widow is the daughter of the of um, the arms dealer in the first film i picked up on that she was talking about an axe and she was an arms dealer yeah i didn't i didn't think about that wait no i still don't pick up the daughter of who max is the older woman in the first one that tom cruise uses to help oh so they're the same name do they say it's his daughter? Do- it's, it's her, her daughter. daughter. Yeah. Oh, really? She talks about her mother, Max. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's cool. And then Ilsa Faust ends up saving Tom Cruise's life because that guy clearly has the upper hand over them and Henry Cavill. And how they definitely can't use the face mask. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, that's why. Because they Yeah, yeah blow his brains out. So then Tom Cruise, again, hopes they've never met, and he goes into where the White Widow is, uh, no mask, and she hasn't met John Mark. She believes him to be John Mark. And he kind of infiltrates their whole organization. How do you guys feel about that? And then the um, set the scene leading into that where they're discussing their plan to uh, take Solomon Lane. I thought it was great. I think the dialogue between the the White Widow and Ethan Hunt was fantastic. Like the, the like witty like back and forth, like mm-hmm. not flirting, but like that kind of like bouncing off each other. The something this film does that's really cool is it shows Ethan Hunt in the crew like taking down the police to get. Um, Solomon Lane, mm-hmm. but then it's shown like that's just like a hypothetical scenario. Oh, that doesn't actually happen. That whole that's really good. that whole scene was fantastic. Like it, it kind of takes away from it, knowing that it's just like a thought bubble he's having. Yeah, but it it was very. Uh, I thought it was happening. Like how it was like almost silent. Like oh, it was just so cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad it didn't happen because that's not Ethan Hunt. But oh, yeah. that it is real to him at that moment. That's what he thinks is going to happen. Yeah. So. It, he has to get the gears to start working. How is he going to solve this the way he always does? Yes. So that moves into um, them either changing up the plan on these guys. So Solomon Lane passes their truck, and instead of blocking him, he knocks him into the water. Yeah. And what? how do you guys feel about that sequence and then the sequence that kind of followed with that? I thought it was great. I think I think what's also great about this film, because like cuts, like random like cuts, are kind of like, staple of the Mission Impossible franchise like just cutting during action scenes like to each yeah. person and it's like a, it looks like a comic book kind of yeah uh, and I feel like this movie doesn't do that they do a lot of long takes they, they really sit on the character and I, like, I think it's great it takes its time to breathe a lot especially yeah. in the second act the first and second act mm-hmm. it's uh, not as in your face as the other films are which isn't necessarily a bad thing in the other films but in this film it definitely makes it feel like heavier and like it's definitely wearing on Ethan as a character yeah and um, I thought that was that whole part was great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Ben uh, Isla Ilsa <laughs> Ilsa what's her last name? Ilsa Faust. Isla Ilsa Faust. That was great when she shows up on the motorcycle. I thought that whole her whole mm-hmm. appearance was pretty fun. Uh, Solomon Lane is probably the strongest villain, especially after being in two movies. Oh, yeah, I would, yeah, I would agree. yeah. From there, they bring Solomon Lane to their like IMF hideout or whatever. Now Alec Baldwin's there. And he's talking about how it is believed that Ethan Hunt is John Mark, and he's doing this to perpetuate the belief of the syndicate because, or something. Yeah, something like that. I don't, really I don't know. So, and it yeah. was revealed that Henry Cavill is the one that's trying to sabotage Ethan Hunt and set him up. 
So you believe that Alec Baldwin is on the side of the CIA and Henry Cavill and that in setting up Ethan Hunt. Um, but then, of course, Ethan Hunt's 12 steps ahead mm-hmm. and Henry Cavill's character confesses to Benji and then yeah. he realizes when he talks about their mask that he's wearing a mask, mm-hmm. rips it off. It's Benji, Benji as a Solomon Lane. Yes, yeah. Uh-huh. And it's really good. That whole section mm-hmm. and it's also revealed that the um the white widow is uh using is trying to use solomon lane so that um she can expose john lark to the cia yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but john lark is ethan hunt yeah by uh by accident oh <laughs> wait we skipped this scene where he like has the where they're capturing solomon uh lane and they run into the cop yes so oh yeah We'll go back to that real quick. Um, going back to what Ryan was saying with the character moments, um, they open the garage while having Solomon Lane like with a bag over his head, and there's a female cop standing right there. And Ethan Hunt's like, "Please, please, just walk away, just walk away. You don't know what you're getting into." And she, of course, tries to do her job, but then some of the White Widow's men come up, and Ethan Hunt is forced to make a decision. Um, they end up the White Widow's men they shoot her in the side, right, and she's on the ground. Yeah. And he, then they try to finish her off, and then Ethan Hunt murders the four goons of yeah. the White Widow. Just like four shots, four guys down. It's dope. And then has um, the police call for uh, help. Yeah. And that's just, I love that, because that's the theme of you saved the one life, and you saved the millions. Yeah. Every life is equally precious. You don't have to um, sacrifice anyone to get the greater good done and that's the impossible mission of this is doing all this without sacrificing anyone not the impossible mission force of course (laughs) the impossible oh i hate that (laughs) but yeah so then going back to the henry cavill thing cia operatives come in and some of them are betraying the cia along with henry cavill so they allow him to escape and then that moves into the rooftop sequence where ethan hunt is chasing after henry cavill oh and alec baldwin dies yeah well (laughs) whatever (laughs) yes yeah I mean, we'll sit on it as much as the movie sits on it. Like, true, I'm true. glad like there are consequences. These characters die, but they really don't hurt us that much. No, yeah. they don't. So the rooftop sequence. Um, what do you guys think of that? That's probably the one of the bigger sequences of this. You have the Halo jump. You have the intense car chase, and now you have this. It's well, funny so- that Tom Cruise gets injured at the at this one. Yeah, yeah this is probably the cleanest. Yeah. So and yeah, he broke his leg jumping from one. Rooftop the next, and it's pretty visceral in the film. Yeah. Like you could tell when it happens. Yeah, it starts limping. Yeah, and... mm-hmm. but it's um, it's fun. I think the Benji, like Benji yeah, talked about, was great. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, out of all the scenes in this movie, this felt like the most, like, similar to the other films. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's a big set piece, but it's more. It's not the first clue or it's on the top of a plane. It's yeah, like one of the more tamer espionage. And it's like yeah, yeah. It's like a fun chase scene, which is pretty mm-hmm. standard in this way more incredible shots than it has any right to be. Yeah. Like them running up the staircase, then yeah. the funeral. Why is he going why is it going in circles? Yeah, yeah. I love that. And um Tom Cruise is on the roofs and Benji thinks he's on the ground, so yeah. he has to uh, it's like turn right right now. He has to throw it off yeah. his chair through a building to get yeah. out. I don't know, it's just it's like they think we need to chase him. And they're like, okay, how can we make this better? And it's like, okay, well, how about he's on the roofs instead of on the ground? And how about Benji doesn't know that? And it's just, they take what should be a trope 
and they take it to the absolute best possible. Yeah, they twist it. Yeah, they twist it so that it's something new and innovative that you haven't seen before, and it's the best mm-hmm. it could be. And I just, I think that's how you could describe all these sequences, and I, I love it so much. Mm-hmm. It's why I love these movies. Yeah. But Henry Cavill escapes. Escapes through the elevator. Mm-hmm. And then he shows that um, if he, uh, who's it? Is it Julia he shows the picture of? Yes, yeah, yeah his wife. Uh, and he says, if you try and uh, if you try and find me again or uh, tell Julia, she will Julia. die. Ethan Hunt goes to where he believes Henry Cavill is based on a tracker they put in him. And it's this medical base in Kashmir. In Kashmir. That is revealed if these plutonium bombs were to go off here, it would start a massive flood that would end up starving over a third of the world's population. And not only that, but this is where Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt's <laughs> wife is. So you have an emotional moment between them. Ethan, you're not crazy about the wife character, but did you think her being in this movie worked for you? Yeah, that was fine. Like she's in this movie as much as she needs to be. Mm-hmm. Where it hits the emotional no- like note and like not much more. Like she's not mm-hmm. and then she does help later. So it's fun to watch that. But they don't like they don't sit on it too long. I think Mission Impossible like focuses on the wife. Or Mission Impossible Three focuses on the wife way too long. I would agree. I really liked her in this movie. I'm glad she was included. Yeah, it worked too. Um, thematically with uh, Ethan Hunt's arc and his perspective on life now. So this whole scene's based around them trying to stop Henry Cavill and Solomon Lane from detonating these three nuclear weapons. Vin Reigns has gets one of them mm-hmm. pretty easily. And then Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt, has to go grab another one that's in... That Henry, or has, he has to grab, to grab, the, the, grab yeah. the detonator that Henry Cavill has in the helicopter because that's, he has to trigger something so all the other ones are able to be diffused. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then Simon Pegg and Ilsa Faust need to find out. Um, the second one. Yeah. There's only two bombs because they got the other core of plutonium oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, when they captured Solomon Lane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ethan Hunt, in order to get this detonator, he has to chase Henry Cavill's character in the helicopter. And it is... The way it's shot is so interesting because since it's really Tom Cruise climbing up this building, it looks real. Like it looks like a documentary kind of style. Yeah. In my mm-hmm. opinion, um, it doesn't look like an action scene that we're used to now. With a lot of cuts, a lot of jumping and whatnot. A lot of CGI. Yeah. yeah. And being able to just hold that because Tom Cruise is willing to do these stunts for our entertainment, our entertainment is what makes this movie so unique. Um, not only in the Mission Impossible franchise, but also within the greater. Um, filmography of the action genre yeah. and I, I just love it so much so he makes his way into the helicopter and then he chases um, Henry Cavill down in the other helicopter with Henry Cavill shooting at him how do you guys feel through this whole sequence I just want to say there was a part in the trailer where he's driving into a truck and that's not in the film no it's not yeah I realized mm-hmm. that after when but we otherwise really good section mm-hmm one of the like more most more intense set pieces. Mm-hmm. I feel like they just keep one upping. They do each yeah. time. Again, my back was caked in sweat. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was so nervous. Maybe it's the Regal Theater scenes. But... It's amazing mm-hmm. that this is the sixth entry, and um, Ethan Hunt has never really been in danger before. But we still buy these stakes so much. Yeah. Maybe well, that's because the theme of the movie is yeah, it's much more dark. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. much darker. We feel like they're willing to kill off these characters. We don't know what the future of the franchise is. Also, something I like in this movie is they make it kind of clear that this is the first time Ethan Hunt's ever piloted a helicopter. Yeah, I love that. Which and is interesting. Yeah, that's like pausing for the character moments that Marvel does as well, where Ethan Hunt, 
he needs to get this detonator and he says like i'll get it don't worry but then he's not talking to his team and he's like you got this you got this come on you can do this you can do this yeah. and he has to like cheer he has to like cheer himself on basically because mm-hmm. no one else is in the whole world the fate of the world rests on his shoulders but no one even knows it it's yeah. only mm-hmm. him in there and Henry Cavill, like, he does great, too. Like, mm-hmm. just, like, cussing at Tom Cruise's character. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. They, he used the one F-bomb they were allowed yeah. to use. Oh, yeah, that, they used it with yeah. Benji that time. Uh, that, was, that was great. These movies are pretty brutal for PG-13. Yeah, they they um, they um push the limits, I would yeah. say. They use prick, which I didn't know was a word you could use in PG-13 oh, yeah. movies. <laughs> Tom Cruise calls Henry Cavill's character prick, which is hilarious, but... Um, so then the helicopters end up crashing. Ethan Hunt is successful in bringing down Henry Cavill's character's uh, helicopter. And they get kind of stuck on like the cliffside with um, Henry Cavill's helicopter stuck below so, like, Ethan The carcass Hunt's. of their helicopters? Yeah, they're, well, what's left. Yeah. How do you guys feel about that um, whole sequence with them like falling slowly and Ethan Hunt having to drop to catch Henry Cavill's character? This is the part where like you the most especially also with Solomon Lane and Ilsa Faust and Benji you can feel each hit yes and um this was the thing I was talking about uh Solomon Lane hits Ilsa Faust with a piece of wood mm-hmm. and it, it oh it hurt they hurt me mm-hmm. but also like in this segment like they're both just completely like destroyed because they both f- fell out of helicopters essentially yeah. and um this part is pretty brutal at points like the way that um his char- that uh, Henry Cavill's character dies, uh, Ethan Hunt pulls on the um, hook. just hook. Yeah, the yeah. hook, and it skewers him in the face. Yeah, yeah it grabs his like forehead and oh, brings it down. Good. Yeah, it's brutal. And then his face was like burnt earlier. Yeah. It was just like mm-hmm. oh yeah, half his face was burnt. Yeah, it's just like one brutal thing after another happens to Henry Cavill. It's fantastic, and Tom Cruise, and Benji. While this is going on, uh, Solomon Lane. Uh, kind of best Ilsa Faust and uh, Benji in combat and he, he like tries to hang Benji yeah. which is dark, dark yeah. for a yeah. 13 movie and he's very very close to being successful like it seems like uh, Benji loses consciousness, consciousness I thought Benji that. could die yeah I'm like they could kill him off and it would work and they could mm. still make more movies and whatnot. luckily they didn't yeah because I wouldn't I wouldn't see it <laughs> Tom Cruise has to pull the detonator before the, they cut the wires on these bombs and defuse them, but they don't have communications to Tom Cruise's character, Ethan Hunt, anymore. Um, so they ha- do it at the absolute last minute. and Last second. Yeah, last second, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a shot of Tom Cruise looking out, and it looks like two mushroom clouds have gone off, and you're like, oh, they didn't do it. This is the mission. This is the impossible mission that they couldn't do. Mm-hmm. But then you realize it's the sunset. And it was just mission difficult. <laughs> yeah, and it was just mission difficult. They succeeded. Um, how do you guys feel about that? Because that was a really, really bold. There was a second. I thought the bombs went off. And I was Me like, too. the whole the, the fan thought that would have been so like heart-wrenching. <laughs> I know. But they didn't. And I Like Dr. Strange love. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is such a testament to the movie. These movies, like they had no rights in the 6th century. They're still being stakes. But there were, and they felt it felt like they really could have killed off um, all these characters on top of like decimating half of the world's population. Um, it felt real, mm-hmm. but Tom keep saying Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt is again, the same person. They are yeah. the same as Ethan Hunt. 
Ethan Hunt is again successful and is picked up by Angela Bassett's character, the CIA directive that wanted um, Henry Cavill's character to be belong on this mission in the first place. And Ethan Hunt is beaten up, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they definitely show that. He has kind of a closing emotional moment with his wife. How do you guys feel about that? Did you like the way this whole arc works? Did you feel like it's an appropriate conclusion to that character? Yeah, I like that a lot. I hope it's the conclusion because I don't think it can get much better than like I don't I don't like I don't want to see Julie again. Like I don't like mm-hmm. hopefully Ethan Hunt's activities don't affect her anymore. Like, yeah. that's what I want to see. I don't know. Like I kind of think this will be the last one for for a few. I think Tom Cruise. I don't know if Tom Cruise wants to continue doing them. I don't know. He said I read somewhere that he said if this one does well, he will. Mm-hmm. But this movie was confirmed before Rogue Nation even came out, and there hasn't been anything like that. Oh, so I don't know. It's hard because I really, really love these movies, and I want to see more. But this is a really mm-hmm. incredible way to close out this twenty-five year franchise or mm-hmm. whatever. And it's like, how do you get bigger? Yeah, exactly. That's another thing. But I, I feel like I would have said that after after Ghost Protocol. That's true. See, I don't, I don't think I, I think this is like. Like the themes and everything in this movie, are like yeah, yeah, that's what I this final movie transcending that the Mission Impossible franchise. I think it really would be a fitting conclusion, and I'd I'd be happy if they never make another one. Yeah, me too. So with that, um, I'm curious: do we all have the same rankings of these movies? So for me personally, it goes Fallout is the best, and then Rogue Nation, Ghost Protocol, MI three, MI one, MI two. I would agree with that. Yeah, I agree. So, mm-hmm. what an interesting franchise that gets better go along and then peaks in the sixth entry. Yeah, it starts off fine and takes a huge dip and it just goes up from there. <laughs> yeah, I think we would all highly recommend these movies. If you listen to this and haven't seen Fallout, that was stupid, but you should see it. And if you have seen it already, go see it again. We're gonna see it in IMAX at some point. And if there's anything you should take from this podcast, I think it's that MI two deserves to be um, held on a pedestal with like the room and <laughs> yeah. Good movie Troll to, 2. <laughs> good movie to throw on with friends, definitely. Yeah. But it's yeah. not as bad as those, but <laughs> it's close. It's close. On that note, uh I've been Clayton Terry. I'm Ryan Terry. And I'm Ethan Terry. Thanks for listening to the second episode of the Terry Talks podcast. We'll be posting another one at some point. It hopefully won't be a breakdown of an entire new franchise, but thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Have an impossible day. <laughs>